this good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my show, Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Today is Friday, October 12th, and uh, we made it. It's Friday. We made it to the weekend. I'm so grateful. Um, I'm actually having a great day. It's been a good week. Um, not too much school. It's been a lighter week, a workload of school this week, and uh, I've been able to breathe. It's been awesome. Um, I, I really hope you're doing well. I want to start with this. A new story came up, came to my attention today, um, and it was a, a topic of debate in one of my classes, actually. We were like, you know, is this going to happen? What do you think? Um, I have a strong opinion on it. I want to say this. So, rumors have begun to circulate that the Jacksonville Jaguars may move to London. Um, it's going to happen. I want to say this right now. Let me be clear. The Jacksonville Jaguars will move to London. My opinion. Uh, it's very simple. For one reason, money. Um, a report came from a former Jacksonville Jaguars employee that Shahid Khan, the Jaguars owner, plans to move the team to London. Um, and it's also worth noting he's trying to buy, and I think he actually might have just recently bought Wembley Stadium, uh, a stadium in London in the area. Um, and I want to say, by the way, I love Shahid Khan. He's one of my favorite owners in the NFL. He does something I think is really important. One, he's, he seems like a cool guy, a guy I'd like to hang out with. But he also does a good job delegating football to football people. He stays away. He says, you guys are smart about football. You make football decisions. And he just seems like he's a football fan that wants the Jaguars to do well. Now, here's why London will happen. First of all, Jacksonville does not care about the Jaguars, at least not as much as London would. Think about this for a second. If the Jacksonville Jaguars moved to London, they would have complete domination over that market. They would have a monopoly of football. If you want to watch football in England, the only place to go is to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> the London Jaguars. Think about it. That's, that's what would happen. Total ownership of that market. Television, they'd be the only game locally on TV. They would have merchandise in the area. They would dominate that. Again, if you want to watch football in London, the only place is to watch the Jaguars. And, and London is a city of, they have 13.6 million people in that area. In comparison, Jacksonville has 800,000 as of 2016. Zach, I mean, let's think about it. They would own the area. They, for the first time ever, they'd be, because how much football is in Florida? How much sports is, how much football is in Florida? You got Florida State, University of Florida, Central Florida, Florida Atlantic, Tampa Bay, you got Miami. There's tons of competition. You go from Jacksonville to London where there's no competition, you're going to dominate. It's, it's simple economics. But here's another thing. Um, I do think that having a team in London would be incredibly messy. I don't know how that would work. you got to figure out international pay. Good luck getting free agents. I don't know any. Who wants to leave like a, a college football player from LSU? You think he wants to go play in London? No. Heck no. Um, and long flights is going to be a problem. But here's the thing. There's too much money to be made for the Jaguars to leave this on the table. The Jaguars are going to move to London. It makes too much sense financially. And I think the NFL would be on board with this. They want to expand internationally. The NFL, Roger Goodell, he's all for it. He, they play games in London right now because they are trying to make the NFL an international brand. I'm not sure I'm on board with that. Actually, legitimately, like my, my I saw a lot of comments on Instagram that were like, this wouldn't happen. You know, it's an, it's a, an American sport. And I don't know that I'm, I'm a nationalist that way, but I do think that, you know, are we going to see teams in Australia, Japan? What's next? China? I don't know. And I don't know that I want a team in Mexico City. Nothing wrong with Mexico City. It's just this is an American sport. And it, it would be weird to me to have the NFL move internationally. But I think that's – could that happen? I don't know. But what I do know, and I'm very confident would happen, the Jacksonville Jaguars to London make far too much sense 
economically. There's too much money to be made by moving the Jaguars over there for it to not happen. And I do believe, if you ask me, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to move to London. All right, we have a great show today. I'm really, really excited. Uh, we have two really fun quarterback lists I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to do my Snake Charmer games. I'm going to tell you the, the most fascinating games of the weekend. There's always two every week. I'm going to predict games at the end of the show with the pick six segment. I'm going to tell you why the Giants need to start Eli Manning for their entire year. We watched the Giants lose last night on Thursday Night Football. And regardless of that, I do believe that Eli Manning should be the Giants quarterback all year. We're going to talk about Jimmy Butler. There's a couple other topics. Uh, we're going to talk about Khalil Tate, the Arizona quarterback. I'm watching. It's on the TV right now. Arizona is getting murdered by Utah. It's ugly. And uh, we will discuss Khalil Tate. We will discuss Arizona football down the road. I want to remind you, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. And help me grow by telling your friends about the show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Um, I'll be quite honest, man. My numbers are not where I wish they were. I, I want more people to listen to this show. And uh, you can help me with that. Please do. Um, I get comments that are like, man, you deserve so much more. You if you believe that, please tell your friends. Share it. I mean, help me grow. I, I really think that I put out an amazing product. And um, I would love your help growing this podcast. So um, growing up, there were five quarterbacks who inspired me. And growing up, I mean, as, as late as high school, I mean, there were five quarterbacks that I've always looked up to and always really respected and admired. And I want to talk about them. I'm going to kind of rant. Not Rant's not the right word, but I'm going to just share my heart because I've, I've been really thinking about quarterbacks a lot this week. And Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and in fact, Baker Mayfield, have just incredibly inspired me throughout my entire life. And I want to talk about that because it, it does, it matters to me. This is a, a really personal thing that I, I've loved. And the first one for me is Drew Brees. Drew Brees, the Saints quarterback. Um, he's always been a short quarterback. And I, I was a short quarterback. I'm 5'11", maybe, at my, on my best day. Um, and I remember I, I met with Trent Dilfer once, actually. I, I played on the same field as Trent Dilfer. And he said, look, man, you're just not what we're looking for. It was an Elite 11 tryout, and he said, you're just too small. You're not what we're looking for. Um, I moved in high school because my coach said I was too small to play for him. I moved to another school, and I dominated there. I set a bunch of records, and I still wasn't recruited at all. It was painful, and um, I remember when Drew Brees was a member of the Chargers, and it just seemed like the Chargers didn't want him. He hurt his shoulder. They had Phillip Rivers. They drafted Phillip Rivers for whatever reason, and I just think it's so cool that Drew Brees continued to believe in himself, and he overcame that the fact that people did not believe in him. And Drew Brees, you forget, he was a second-round pick. Maybe the greatest quarterback, he's arguably, I don't think he is, but Drew Brees is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, was not a first-round pick, was not highly believed in, and I just think that's so cool. And another thing I want to say, man, um, I've, I've really studied Drew Brees' mechanics. The way he throws a football, when, when you're growing up, they used to tell you, you got to separate. It's really important to separate the ball, and Drew Brees does that to a T. He's got incredibly good mechanics. I'm just, I've always been really highly inspired by that. I love Drew Brees. Um, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. And always a guy I looked up to. read his book growing up. It's fantastic. The next quarterback that always really inspired me was Tom Brady. Um, talk about a guy nobody believed in. I mean, and I've been there. Look, I remember when I first started making videos, um, all my friends, a lot of people I knew, my ex-girlfriend even was like, you're a loser. What are you doing with your time? And um, I just, I, I really thought I could make it. I believed in myself. And I, I now look where I am. I'm um, I think I make an amazing product I'm really proud of, and I've done a lot of cool shoots. I worked in L.A., I worked for Pac-12 Network, a lot of stuff. And so when people didn't believe in Tom Brady, that resonates with me tremendously. But here's what's the most cool about Tom Brady. He's not a great athlete. He, in fact, he's a, he's a really 
less than average average. He's a mediocre to bad athlete. He's got average arm strength and nobody wanted him. And despite that, because of Tom Brady's sheer will, his work ethic, he's just more dedicated than anybody else in the NFL. Tom Brady's made himself probably the greatest quarterback of all time and done far more than anybody could have believed because of his will, his sheer will and his work ethic, his dedication to his craft. I mean, other people had way more advantages than Drew Brees. In fact, you could even compare Drew Brees to Drew Bledsoe, the guy he beat out. Drew Bledsoe dominated at Washington State. He's, I think he was a number one overall pick. This is a guy that everyone wanted to succeed. Nobody believed in Tom Brady. No one wanted Tom Brady to succeed. And despite that, he made it happen. I think that's so cool. Um, you know, another thing I love about Tom Brady, every single offseason he improves. If you watch the way he throws his first year in the NFL to now, he's got a different throwing motion, different style, better footwork. Everything has changed about Tom Brady, and it's so cool to watch how he's developed his game. No matter what field you're in, whether you're a salesman, you're a podcaster like me, no matter who, what, who you are, what you do, that dedication to always getting better and never settling with what you, the way you are and always tweaking what you do is so cool. I mean, think about it. If you're, you're a salesman, you always want to be adapting your techniques. How can I get better at this? How can I improve? I know a guy that listens to this show. He's a custodian at a college. Even that, and you can find a way to improve what you do, make it more efficient, make it better, save better time. There's always ways you can improve your life and do better. And so watching Tom Brady consistently tweak his game, never settle for the way he is now and always trying to get better, just tremendously improves me. And there's one more aspect to Tom Brady that I think is so cool. It's, it's a story that this is this storyline I read today is why I was actually inspired to make this topic. Josh Gordon apparently is really benefiting from Tom Brady. Tom Brady's taking him under his wing, trying to help the guy learn about life and get better as a football player. That is so cool. I, I just think that's another aspect that we can learn from Tom Brady is Tom Brady elevates his teammates. He's a great guy. He cares about football and he cares about people. And I just think that is a an underrated quality. Quarterbacks are not just the guy who throws a the football. They're a leader on the field. They're a leader off the field. And Tom Brady, I can't think of a guy who is a better leader by example, leader with what he does. And he's not afraid to speak up and say his mind when it's time. And I think that is so incredibly important. Um, and we're going to watch, I think Josh Gordon, his career is going to be revitalized with Tom Brady. And a lot of that is because of Tom Brady's leadership on and off the field. Another quarterback that tremendously has inspired me growing up, Aaron Rodgers. It's funny to me, Aaron Rodgers is probably the most talented quarterback of all time. And despite that, despite that Aaron Rodgers throws a ball literally better than anybody, he did not have a scholarship out of high school. Graduates high school, doesn't have a scholarship, had to go to Butte College in Chico, California. And I'm just saying, this stuff, I know this stuff. I'm weird. I'm a nerd. I grew up loving Tom Brady, loving Aaron Rodgers, loving Drew Brees. I know a story about Aaron Rodgers. When Jeff Tedford, the coach at Cal, recruited Aaron Rodgers out of Butte College, he was not even looking for Aaron Rodgers. Jeff Tedford, the Cal coach, was recruiting some wide receiver, and he saw Aaron Rodgers throw a slant for a touchdown and went, who is that guy? That guy throws the ball differently. That's so cool to me. Aaron Rodgers got noticed. And the fact that if Aaron Rodgers can go unnoticed for years and not get a scholarship out of high school, what does that say? A, a I think college recruiting somewhat flawed. But B, don't give up. Keep fighting for what you have. You know, I, I even today I used this. I got a ticket a couple weeks ago. And um, what you have to do at my college is you have to turn in a ticket within 10 days to appeal the process. I think I got a, a really unfair parking ticket. I tried to appeal it and they're like, well, it's been, it's past 10 days. There's nothing you can do. And I was like, Hmm, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. You know, I, I think I was unfairly 
given a ticket. So I went back the next day. I talked to a different employee, a different lady was at the desk. She said, no, you know, it's not going to work out. Do it online. You got to pay the ticket. And I said, I'm, I'm still not going to take no for an answer. I went back seven times. And every time I went back, I talked to a different person. They kind of shuffled me around. And eventually they're like, fine, you can have a late approval or late a appeal. You can appeal your ticket. I might still have to pay that ticket, but I fought for everything. I did not take no for an answer. And when I, when I struggled, when things didn't go my way, I said, no, I'm going to do what I think the quarterbacks I've always believed in my whole life, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, what would they do? And so I really am incredibly impressed by guys like Aaron Rodgers who were told no and didn't give up on their career, didn't give up on their, their dream. Another thing that is so cool about Aaron Rodgers, and that's incredibly important to his story, Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Green Bay Packers who had Brett Favre. Brett Favre is arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He's not the GOAT, not close, but he is incredible. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers has probably surpassed him is unbelievable. You know, my favorite radio broadcaster is Colin Cowherd. I think he's he's fantastic. He's, he's the Michael Jordan of broadcasting. If Colin Cowherd retired and they said, Zach, you're going to take over the herd. Man, I, I, I don't know. I, I, how, do you, how do you improve? How do you do better than Colin Cowherd? That's what Aaron Rodgers did. He took over for one of the best ever and said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one-up him. Do you know how hard that is? How inspiring and cool that is to me? Like, I, I just think that's awesome. How many people are like, yeah. I can do better than that guy, a guy who's a lead, a Hall of Famer. That's so cool and impressive to me. Um, my fourth quarterback that's always inspired me is Russell Wilson. I remember in high school, um, my coach actually called me Russell Wilson because I transferred in high school. Um, I had a coach who said, you're too small. It's not going to work out. And uh, I moved. I literally, my family moved. We, we lost our house anyways. We moved to a mobile home in Vancouver, Washington, so I could play for a different high school. I set records there, made the playoffs twice. It was incredibly vindicating for me. It's like, ah, you're wrong. And it meant a lot to me to watch Russell Wilson when I was in high school. He played for North Carolina State. And um, he played baseball. He played two sports. And he, I think he played a, a amateur baseball. He did something with baseball. And NC State said, we don't want you back as our quarterback. In fact, I think they committed to Mike Glennon at the time. And so Russell Wilson was a graduated student. He was a graduate transfer, went to Wisconsin. He's one of the first graduate transfers, I think, ever. And uh, within two weeks... On location in Wisconsin, Russell Wilson became a captain at Wisconsin. It's so cool. He not only became a captain with his leadership, with who he is, he made it work. He got Wisconsin to the Rose Bowl. They did lose to Oregon, but man, I've always loved Russell Wilson. There's another thing to Russell Wilson that I like. Um, Russell Wilson is annoyingly positive. And I always, I have hated that for a long time about Russell Wilson. It felt fake to me. I didn't like it. Um, And recently in my personal life, I've realized, you know, life often sucks. Life is so annoying and it's frustrating and you always hit roadblocks and obstacles and you have to be positive no matter who you are and so my perspective on russell wilson's positivity even if it's fake at times mine is fake sometimes i'm having to tell myself you got to be positive and so i actually have shifted from hating russell wilson's positivity to respecting it and admiring it i find it really cool now the, the final quarterback for me is baker mayfield People think often I don't like Baker Mayfield. I said I would rather have Sam Darnold, but don't get me wrong. I, I have loved Baker Mayfield my entire life. Um, for, not my entire as long as I've known about Baker Mayfield. For me growing up, um, I always wanted to go to Texas Tech. I remember watching Mike Leach as a kid. I was like, that offense is unbelievable. I want to play there. I think it's so cool. And uh, he actually did what I wanted to do. Baker Mayfield lived my dream. He walked on. He made it happen. Uh, he had no scholarships out of high school and said, regardless, I'm going to go out and make it happen. And he did. You know, for me, when I, when I didn't get a scholarship offer, 
out of high school. I gave up on my dreams. You know, Trent Dilfer said, you're not good enough for Elite 11. That really discouraged me. And uh, I said, well, you know, it's not working out for me. And I went to a Division three school and was like, ah, that's what I want. I eventually left. And my brother died and it was a mess. So when I saw Baker Mayfield walk on and dominate, dominated Texas Tech and then leave and walk on to Oklahoma, I just saw that. I, th- I saw that and was like, man, that is incredibly inspiring. But not only is Baker Mayfield's story really inspiring, it's also the way he carries himself. He doesn't care what people think. And not in a bad way, because you can do that. There's two ways to do that. I could make a really terrible podcast and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I, I can make complete a cr- crap. I can make complete crap. I don't really care what anybody thinks. Or I could make something I'm really proud of that even if people don't like, I say, I'm proud of this. I believe in myself. I don't care what you think if you don't like me. That's Baker Mayfield. He does not care if you don't believe in him. He does not care if you think he's undraftable, too small, not a good enough arm. Doesn't care. He believes in himself, has his inner confidence, and and I just think that's so cool. you got to recognize that about Baker Mayfield. It is his coolest feature that he does not care what anybody thinks. I love that. So, man, I just – you look at this this group of quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Baker Mayfield. They have struggled tremendously. And I think struggling is really, really important. It's good for you in life. Struggling is not a bad thing. If you're struggling out there, your girlfriend breaks up with you, you lose your job, these are all teachable moments you can learn from. And guys like these five quarterbacks learn from their rejections, learn from their bad moments, times life didn't go their way. I can imagine Tom Brady's picked in the sixth round. You think he's like, this is awesome. I love this. No, but he didn't let it discourage him and stop him. And so I just think that's so incredibly cool. Um, these guys, these five quarterbacks have been, been incredibly hungry. They never settled. They kept going. And I just find that incredibly inspiring. We can all learn from these five quarterbacks and try to follow suit. No matter what field you're in, sales, podcasting, you actually are a football player. doesn't matter what you do with your life. You can learn from these five quarterbacks and try to emulate the way they are successful. I find it incredibly inspiring. And I just, that was on my heart today. I wanted to share that because I, you know, every week I do, you know, hear this news story and that news story. I share my opinion. And this is one that's been on my heart tremendously. And so I just want, I want to talk about it. These five quarterbacks have always inspired me my whole life. And I wanted to share that. <clears throat> there are two really fascinating games this week in the NFL. Remember my fascinating games, they're games of storylines. They're not necessarily the best matchup, the closest game, but they're games with a bunch of storylines I'm really fascinated with. I call them snake charmer games. You know, where you, you're watching the TV, you just, your eyes are glued. You can't take them off. The snake charmer's charming you. You can't take your eyes off the game. The first game of the list this weekend is the Chiefs and the Patriots in New England. I am so, so excited to watch this game. Um, it's Not only is it Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. The matchup I'm excited to watch is Bill Belichick versus Patrick Mahomes. That is what I want to see. Because Bill takes away whatever a team does best on offense, Bill Belichick has a way of taking that away from them, not allowing to do what they do best. I think that the Patriots are going to take away Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs' tight end. You know, we saw, I think it was two weeks ago, it's two weeks ago now, Monday Night Football, the Broncos versus the Chiefs. In the first half of that game, the Broncos all but eliminated Travis Kelsey from the Chiefs' offense. He did, they did a great job. I do believe that the New England Patriots are going to emulate what the Broncos did and take away Travis Kelsey, maybe for the whole game this time. That's the matchup I want to see, is Bill Belichick's mind up top against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's play calling. It's going to be incredibly fun. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, My guess is, you know, the Chiefs' defense is not very good, 
And I do believe that Tom Brady's likely going to shred their defense, going to have a lot of yards, a lot of points. I have no idea how the Chiefs and the Patriots game is going to end. Um, and But it's worth noting that Bill Belichick does really well against young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks do not go into New England and win games. It's very, very rare. We saw for the first time in a long time Deshaun Watson had tremendous success last year against the Patriots. Um, but I do also note that Patrick Mahomes is not your typical rookie quarterback. He's not second-year quarterback, but he's not your typical young buck, up-and-coming quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is different. He's slightly ahead of most. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen. This will be the Sunday night football game on Sunday. Can't wait to watch. Don't know what's going to happen. On primetime, everyone's going to watch, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful football game. I cannot wait to watch. My second most fascinating game of the week this week is actually the Jaguars and the Cowboys in Arlington, Texas, really in Dallas. Um, here's the thing. These are two very marginal quarterbacks, Blake Bortles and Dak Prescott, I think below average, actually. Um, and the Jaguars have a great defense. The Cowboys have a, they're not a bad defense. They're also some pretty, a pretty solid defense. My guess is that Blake Bortles is going to have a great game this week. I don't know what to expect, but he had better have a great game. The Jaguars are not, I, I don't see Dak Prescott having a lot of success this week against the Jaguars defense. If he did, I'd be shocked. And that's why I'm fascinated to watch. How does Blake Bortles play, who in my opinion should be on the hot seat? How does Dak Prescott play against this great defense? Doesn't have any help. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I gave up on Blake Bortles last week. I said, I'm done. I don't believe in him. I'm, I'm out on him. And if he lost to the Cowboys, if Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars lost to the Dallas Cowboys, ugh, that can't happen. You can't allow that to happen. So I'm, I'm really curious and excited to see what happened. Um, if, if Blake Bortles plays really badly, loses to the Cowboys, I jump ship on Blake Bortles. Maybe Jaguars fans will finally also start to agree with me and say, yeah, you're right. We cannot commit any more years of our franchise. We can't commit a great franchise to... Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is holding the Jaguars back. I think it could be very apparent if the Cowboys do, in fact, beat the Jaguars this week. It's very interesting to me. I want to watch the Jaguars and the Cowboys. Can't wait to watch. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to drink some water first, actually. Um, man, life's going well. There's a lot of... <clears throat> there's some cool stuff coming for me personally that I, I can't tell you guys. Um, but there's something personal for me I'm really excited about. I, I'm going to share eventually. I know that I often talk really big, and um, it's time for me to follow through. I, I, I can't wait to share. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I remember, so growing up, <clears throat> Batman was my favorite superhero growing up. I loved Batman. I thought he was fantastic. I also loved the Justice League. You know, the animated Justice League series was a, a staple of mine. It was my favorite animated series when I was a kid. And so when it was announced that DC was releasing a Justice League movie, I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Batman, Henry Cavill as Superman, made by Zack Snyder. This could not go wrong at all. And then the movie was abysmal. <laughs> the Justice League movie was awful. I, I wish I could have written it. I wish they, I, I hated the script. It made me, it drove me nuts. I was like, oh, guys. You could have done so much if you'd done this and this and this. It could have been so much better, and it wasn't. It was trash. It was, a, it was an enjoyable, I guess, movie, but it really, in the end, was incredibly disappointing for me. The big thing I want you to take away from that is that Justice League was incredibly disappointing. I've seen a very similar storyline uh, with the Arizona football team. 
A commenter DM'd me yesterday on Instagram, actually. That's where most people interface with me. You know, if you want to read Instagram, follow me on Instagram. It's at Zach Schaumler. Um, that's where I do most of my share. I don't, I don't go on Twitter. I don't really use Facebook. I have a Facebook for strong opinion sports. And I actually have a Facebook for uh, an Instagram for strong opinion sports. I don't use any of them. I use my personal Zach Schaumler Instagram. That's how you can get in touch with me. I, I do enjoy hearing from you guys. A guy DM'd me asking me about Khalil Tate, the Arizona quarterback. <clears throat> And so if you ask me, I want to share my thoughts on that whole situation. <sighs> Khalil Tate has been incredibly disappointing. You know, before the season, Khalil Tate was a Heisman candidate. And it's, it's been really sad. It's been awful. You know, I'm, I'm watching right now. Arizona right now is 3-3. Three and three. They're likely to be 3-4. and four. They're down 35-10 to 10 to Utah. It's late on Friday night, late in the fourth quarter. It's awful. It's sad. You know, I, I don't know. They have a new head coach, Kevin Sumlin, who I always believed in at Texas A&M. Um, but the truth is that Khalil Tate's been incredibly underwhelming. It's been one of the most sad stories in all of college football to me. Right now, he's a 54% completion percentage, 11 touchdown passes, four interceptions. It's worth noting Khalil Tate is on, on track to have more touchdown passes than he did last year. Last year, he had 14 touchdown passes. has 11 right now through six games. But here's the killer, man. Khalil Tate had a... He, he sprained his ankle against Houston early in the season, and uh, you know, he had 12 rushing touchdowns last year. Right now, in six games, he only has two, and that's not enough. It's not good. Um, and what we're learning from Khalil Tate is he's not good enough in the pocket to win with just his arm. He needs his legs to win and have a lot of success. He's not an awful quarterback, and he's not been playing incredibly awful, but the first two games were the biggest shock to me for Arizona. Arizona lost 28-23 to to BYU, and then they got smacked. They got annihilated 45-18 to to Houston. And that was one that I was like, "Are you?" I'm watching right now. Arizona's getting in a fight with Utah. I was, I was shocked. I was like, man, you lost 45-18 to to Houston? A Pac-12 school? That, that, that can't really happen. It was bad. A bad look. And so I think we should go through the stats, what happened. Against BYU... Khalil Tate was 17 for 34 passing and 197 yards, one touching, touchdown passing. But here's a concern. <clears throat> before his ankle injury, before he sprained his ankle, Khalil Tate had eight rushes against BYU and only 14 yards. What's happening? That's before the injury. That's not good. And then in that really ugly Houston game, Khalil Tate was 24 for 45 passing, did have 341 yards, but yards don't matter if you throw no touchdowns, two interceptions, and again, had eight yards rushing on seven attempts. That is not good. That's not acceptable. Again, he got hurt, but man, I don't know. It's not, I don't want to say not acceptable. It's just sad. Khalil Tate was likely to be a, we all thought, I did, the media thought, you probably, if you're an Arizona fan, you thought Khalil Tate, Arizona's quarterback, looked like a Heisman candidate, and he just has not delivered. He has not panned out that way. It's just, it's disappointing. It's sad. Yeah, and the, air, the reality, a lot of Arizona, it's not just the quarterback. It's not all the coach. Arizona simply is not that good at football right now. They're not playing good football. And it is Kevin Sumlin's first year, so I, I give him some slack. But still, 45-18, to 18, you lose to Houston? It's a bad look. That's ugly. It's shameful. You're 3-3. Three and three, You lost to USC. You're about to be 3-4 and four, losing to Utah. It's now 42-10. to 41-10. They're going to kick the extra point. But that's not acceptable. It's bad. And you lost to a freshman quarterback at USC 24-20. to That's a game Arizona could have won. And I, I kept waiting for Khalil Tate to take over the game. And 
<sighs> he didn't. Um, I just wanted to see Khalil Tate explode against USC. It didn't happen. And it was disappointing for me. And, and I guess I know that Khalil Tate is hurt. What we're learning, he, just, he needs his legs. And this has been a very disappointing year for Khalil Tate. Uh, you know, tonight against Utah, he was tackled, on, tackled in the backfield on a zone read. That doesn't happen for a guy like Khalil Tate. He's a special athlete. And the announcer said, he's like, Khalil Tate does not look like himself. You know, in the first half alone, Arizona played three separate quarterbacks against Utah tonight. And uh, it's, it's not good, man. It's just, it's really, I think the most disappointing storyline of all of college football right now has been Khalil Tate and the Heisman-level expectations. He was on magazine covers. He was highly talked about. And Khalil Tate has just not, not delivered and not performed. A lot of it's because of an injury. Some of it is he's been inaccurate. He's missed some throws. His offensive line hasn't been very good. And Arizona football, as a whole, they're, they're going to be three and four after tonight. Um, incredibly, incredibly disappointing. And not a, not a story I'm angry about. You shouldn't be angry. That's not my opinion on this. My opinion is I'm sad. I'm sad Khalil Tate isn't panning out. I'm sad Khalil Tate isn't better because um, I, I, he seems like a good dude, and it's just not working out at Arizona right now. It's incredibly sad. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about – I'm going to do a quick, actually, segment on Johnny Manziel. I, I, I did watch a little bit of Johnny Manziel's last performance in the CFL. It was interesting. Um, we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler. We're going to talk about why Eli Manning should be the Giants quarterback for the rest of the year. We'll do pick six, which is the six picks I'm going to make for the NFL this week. We're also going to talk about five stable quarterbacks, five quarterbacks that are, are good quarterbacks that despite the fact that they're stable, I would replace as soon as possible. That's going to be really fun. Five quarterbacks in the NFL that I would not want to be my franchise quarterback, even though they're stable, even though they're solid. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. Help me grow by telling your friends about this show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I got to say, this show is probably not going to post... Until after midnight uh, tonight, I got a, a little bit of homework I had to work on tonight after recording the show. Um, I want to talk about the Giants and their quarterback, Eli Manning. So last night on Thursday Night Football, the New York Giants lost to the Philadelphia Eagles 34-13, to and the game was exactly what I thought it was going to look like. Um, the Giants looked awful, and uh, Carson Wentz did not look 100%, but he did improve. He had his best game, I think, of the year. And um, my takeaway from this game is that the Giants look awful up front. On offense, on defense, both sides of the ball, they do not look very good. Uh, they struggled to get after Carson Wentz. They had no pass rush on defense. And on offense, they could not protect Eli Manning. They could not stop the Eagles' pass rush. Um, now, Eli looked bad. A lot of this is because of their offensive line. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard to look good when your offensive line is bad. I don't like defending Eli Manning. It makes me feel incredibly weird because I was so hypercritical of him this offseason. But... Um, it is hard to play elite-level quarterback when your offensive line is terrible. And a guy like Ian Manning, who is declining as an athlete, um, you know, he, he looked off. And it's hard to be on. It's hard to be dialed in when you have pressure immediately. You don't really get a fair chance. Um, but Ian Manning did look bad. Now, um, Odell Beckham Jr. had very little impact for the Giants last night. He had 44 yards on six catches, no touchdowns, and his longest catch was only 12 yards. I, I, I take away what you want from that. I think here's the thing that I, I want to say about the Giants. The Giants rookie quarterback, a rookie running back, the Giants rookie running back, second overall pick, Saquon Barkley was 
incredible. He looked like a <laughs> looked like a Hall of Fame running back. He was ridiculous. He had 130 yards rushing. He had one touchdown. He also had 99 yards receiving and nine catches. He was the Giants' leading rusher and the Giants' leading receiver. Get that. I mean, it's... <sighs> Here's my thing, man. Saquon Barkley being jo- drafted by the Giants was bad for everybody. Nobody won when Saquon Barkley was drafted by the Giants. Saquon Barkley lost. He would benefit from having a good team around him. It, it, you know, it's, you're wasting Saquon Barkley's season because if he played that with a quarterback or a team like the Patriots and Tom Brady or the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, he could make a real difference. But when you have a team that's incredibly bad, you can't make a difference at running back. They don't win games. You know, I've, I've said for a long time, there are four teams, you, four, there are four things, four specific things you need to win games in the NFL. You need a good coach, you need a good quarterback, you need an offensive line, and you need a defense. You need solid, good at all of them. Notice I did not say you need a good running back. I did not say you need a good wide receiver because you don't. You can win without a good running back. You can win without great receivers. Saquon Barkley's proof that running backs aren't really effective if you want to win games. Look at Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott might be the best running back in all of football. Cowboys aren't winning a lot of games. And the Giants are now, they're one in five. Hello? Like, what else, what else do you need me to say? That Saquon Barkley isn't winning games. He's not enough for the Giants. Um, and it's really interesting to me. I mean, the Giants offense had 401 yards and Saquon had 229 of them. He's not enough. It doesn't matter. Here's why I think Eli Manning should start the rest of the year. <clears throat> you do have really good pieces with a, you know, here's the thing. Everyone says the Giants have great pieces. I don't know that that's true. They have Saquon Barkley, a good running back, and they have a good wide receiver. They don't really have anything else. They have a bad offensive line. They have un, uh, they don't have creative play calling like you see in, Kansas City or Chicago or L.A. or San Francisco. I like Pat Shermer. He seems like a nice guy. His play calling is subpar. Guys are not wide open. It's not very creative from the Giants' play calling perspective. It's not great. Um, so when you say the Giants have these great assets, I don't know if they do. But what I do know is that Eli Manning should start the rest of the year for the Giants. Here is my case. <clears throat> it, it, you get two birds with one stone. I think if I'm a Giants fan, I want the Giants to tank. The Giants need to draft a quarterback next year. Eli Manning's not cutting it. I want Justin Herbert if I'm a Giants fan. I want Justin Herbert, the quarterback at Oregon, to be my quarterback next year. How do you make that happen? You have to suck. You have to be awful. And you know how you're going to be awful? If Eli Manning plays quarterback, you're going to be awful. I know that's weird to say, but you it's two birds with one stone. You get to honor Eli. You, what you don't want to do is let Eli probably going to retire at the end of the year. Let Eli finish this year. You don't bench him. You don't you let him go with some form of dignity, whatever he has left. Let Eli Manning play the rest of the year. You don't make anybody mad. You don't, whatever. You just you let it play out. They're not going to win a lot of games. They're probably going to have a number one pick, number two pick, three. They're going to be in the top 10 with draft picks. They have a chance to draft Justin Herbert if they do that. Um, I, I really think the Giants should let just let Eli Manning play the rest of the year. Let him finish the year. You honor Eli. You're going to suck. You'll get a good draft pick. Everybody wins. And so if I'm a Giants fan, I want my team to play badly. I don't want to try to play the backup quarterback. I don't want to try to win games. Losing games is the best thing the Giants can do right now because they need a new quarterback. They need to reset and rebuild. So if I'm a Giants fan, actually, I'm not calling for Eli Manning to be benched. I'm like, no, please play Eli the rest of the year. We're going to suck for Herbert. We're going to suck really badly. And we're going to get a really good draft pick because you're not going to win games with Eli. It's not even all about Eli. <clears throat> the simple fact is the offensive line is not good enough in New York to win games with a quarterback who's immobile like Eli Manning. That's okay. Let it happen. Let it play out. 
the Giants are going to go three and thirteen or two and fourteen, and uh, everybody wins. The Giants, the Giants will get a really good quarterback, and Eli Manning does not get disrespected and benched at the end of his career. So it, it's good for everybody. Hopefully, Eli Manning just retires at the end of the year. If he doesn't, screw him. He's not winning games. It's time to move on. But rather than being impatient and moving on now, how about you play Eli the rest of the year and you suck because you want to get a good draft pick and get a good quarterback down the road? Eli Manning should start the rest of the year for the New York Giants. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler needs to play with LeBron. That's where I'm going to start that. Here's why. Three weeks ago, Jimmy Butler requested to be traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was weird to me. You know, I I didn't understand. I was like, you know, you got Carl Anthony Towns. You got Andrew Wiggins. Why would you want to leave Minnesota? And I started looking at timelines of, there's multiple articles like, this is the timeline of the Jimmy Butler situation. And I looked at him. And so if you go back, you know, in 2011, uh, 2011, Jimmy Butler was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. And uh, in May 2015, the Bulls fired their coach, Tom Thibodeau, and uh, they got a new head coach. In December 2015, later that same year, Jimmy Butler criticized the new head coach, uh, Fred Hoiberg. So, lost his head coach, didn't like the new Bulls head coach, and then in 2016, Tom Thibodeau, Butler's old coach, was hired by the Minnesota Timberwolves to be their new coach. So in 2017, in January 2017, is when things really started to devolve for the Chicago Bulls and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler began to criticize his teammates, saying, we need more. Him and Dwayne Wade, his former teammate, were both like, our teammates need to play with more effort. We need more from you guys. Well, uh, later that year, June 2017, on draft night, the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler to the Minnesota Timberwolves, said, we're done with you. Go to the Timberwolves. And I was excited. I was like, nice. You, You get to reunite with your old head coach. Ultimately, Jimmy Butler got to team up with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Seemed like Minnesota might have had a good big three going. I was kind of excited for that. But in November 2017, later that year, uh, now with the Timberwolves, Jimmy Butler again criticized. His teammates said they were not doing enough. He challenged them to play harder. And so what's the consistent thing we've seen? We've seen now Jimmy Butler does not get along with his teammates. He's always asking for more from them, and they're not delivering. Makes me wonder, is it Jimmy Butler's problem or is it Jimmy Butler's teammate's problem? Who really has the issue? I don't know. Well, on July 13th, 2018, now this year, the Timberwolves offered Jimmy Butler a four-year deal worth $110 million, an extension that he turned down. And uh, he said he wanted more money, but that's at the time all that the Timberwolves could offer him. Now, first of all, I, I wish I was in a position where I could turn down a $110 million contract that amount of money seems like, geez, I mean, that's, you're, you're done for the rest of your life if you get that much money. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's F you money. I could, make, I could make my podcast and not worry about my bills. I would still do the show, but uh, I'd be free to do whatever I wanted. I could go to college for free. I could go mess around and play football. I'd do whatever I wanted. Um, <clears throat> so, in the summer of 2019, when he does become a free agent, Jimmy Butler will be, have the option to be offered a bigger contract. Five years, $188 million. Uh, but he's going to be a free agent. And I think when Jimmy Butler becomes a free agent, he should go to L.A. He should go play with LeBron James. Three weeks ago, Jimmy Butler made a trade request to get traded away from the Minnesota Timberwolves. And three days ago, he reaffirmed it. He went back to practice for the Timberwolves, but he said, I still want to be traded. He's frustrated with his teammates. And when he requested the trade, 
Andrew Wiggins' brother, one of his teammates, actually tweeted, hallelujah. He was excited. It sounds like the Timberwolves are tired of Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is tired of the Timberwolves. It's not a good dynamic. There's not a good relationship going on there in Minnesota. Now, three days ago, two days ago now, October 10th, Jimmy Butler led the third-string players with the Minnesota Timberwolves in a scrimmage to beat the starters. He led the backups to beat the starters in a scrimmage, and he was fired up. He was angry. He was yelling and swearing at teammates. Uh, Wojnowski reported that you know he dominated the gym that day. That's a quote from Woj. And he yelled at the general manager, Sean Layden, or Scott Layden, and he said, you blanky need me. You can't win without me. And, uh, you know, I just I keep looking at this Jimmy Butler situation. I think, go to Los Angeles. Get out of Minnesota. Go to L.A. Because we have a common reoccurrence with Jimmy Butler. He says his teammates aren't doing enough. And, um, you know, if you want teammates that are going to play really hard, go play with LeBron. Then you can't complain about your teammates anymore. If you play with LeBron, you can't complain about it. Um, but that's not going to say it would work. I'm not convinced that Jimmy Butler in L.A. would work. It would just be interesting to me. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, I don't know. His teammates don't appear to like him. And first of all, that's bad leadership. You can't go around always calling out your teammates. What that tells me is a guy who's not great in a locker room. I don't know that Jimmy Butler would be great in a locker room. And I don't know that he'd be great with LeBron James. We know that LeBron James, here's a nice way to put it. LeBron James tends to pace himself early in the regular season. And maybe Jimmy Butler would be frustrated with that. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know my question is, is it really Jimmy Butler? Is Jimmy Butler the issue or is it his teammates? I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Butler's teammates really were the issue. I mean, he played with, he had bad teammates in Chicago. They had a bad organization there. And Carl Anthony Towns, he's a guy that streams Fortnite during the NBA regular season. Like the night before a game, he was streaming Fortnite. I'm like, I don't know. That's a guy who's incredibly committed to his craft. Um, who knows what you do with your personal time, but don't stream it. Don't make it public. And so I'm, I'm just really curious what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. Um, I don't know that. <clears throat> I don't know that he's he's not a great teammate like that. That's apparent to me. You don't keep calling out your guys um, and, and just furthering that bad relationship. If I was in a group project and I just kept calling my group out, you know, they're not doing enough. They're not any good. Everyone's going to hate you. No one wants to work with you because you do have to still work together. Um, and so I, I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler. If I'm him, I finish the year, I sign as a free agent with L.A., and then you're not going to complain about your teammates anymore. You can win a lot of games. Um, but I don't know that he's – I don't know that Jimmy Butler is the best matchup for L.A. I don't think L.A. wants Jimmy Butler. They'd rather have a guy like Clay Thompson or, um, you know, what's his name, uh, the eyebrows guy. I can't blank on his name right now. But I, I do think that uh, – Anthony Davis, there we go. Um, but, you know – if I'm Jimmy Butler, I want to play with LeBron. I want good teammates. And so we'll see, you know, if how much of Jimmy Butler is wanting more money and how much of Jimmy Butler is I'm going to walk the talk. I'm going to follow up with what I say. If he wants great teammates, Jimmy Butler will, in fact, go play with LeBron James this offseason. We'll find out. Um, but, uh, you know, does he follow through with what he says? We'll find out. Really curious to watch that situation develop. <clears throat> Johnny Manziel is improving. Johnny Manziel is a quarterback in the Canadian Football League. We know his past. We know his struggles. Uh, Johnny Manziel is improving. I watched his most recent game for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, he's getting more comfortable playing from the pocket. Here's my thing. I don't know that Johnny Manziel is an NFL quarterback. I really don't think he is. But he has always scrambled. He's always left the pocket really early. Never been a guy to sit comfortably in the pocket. What I saw from Johnny Manziel's last game was a guy who was stepping up sliding around in the pocket, creating lanes. Rather than bailing immediately and running away, 
He's learning how to work within the pocket. That's a new development for Johnny Manziel. I think Johnny Manziel left college before he was fully developed, before he was really ready to enter professional football. And we're finally seeing Johnny Manziel develop and get better. It's really cool. I still don't think he's an NFL quarterback, but I want to compare Johnny Manziel to Trace McSorley. I think Trace McSorley is a better quarterback than Johnny Manziel. And I do believe Trace McSorley should, the Penn State quarterback, should go to the Canadian Football League. He's not a good enough athlete to play his style of football in the NFL. But Trace McSorley's athleticism does translate to a a lower level like the Canadian Football League. I think Trace McSorley could be a long, dominant quarterback in Canada. And so I don't know, man. I, I really, I just noticed, I was watching Johnny going, what that looks like is a less refined version of Trace McSorley, the Penn State quarterback. So I, I think that, I think Trace should go to the CFL. And it's worth noting, Johnny Manziel is really improving. Johnny Manziel is playing better. He's learning how to win in the pocket. He's throwing solid passes into tighter windows. And uh, he's really maturing as a quarterback, and it's fun to watch. He's not an NFL quarterback, but he is getting better at the position, the craft of playing the position quarterback. And so it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch Johnny Manziel completely evolve as a player. And, and I just I want to commend him. Good job, Johnny. You're learning how to play from in the pocket. Throw good passes, win from in the pocket. That's a huge step in the development of a quarterback, especially for a guy who does have athletic ability, can run. And I want to give props to Johnny Menzel. He is improving. So, you know, I just thought it was worth mentioning Johnny Menzel is improving. I like the guy. I'm going to take a short break. My mouth needs a break. When I return, we're going to talk about five stable quarterbacks that I would replace. If I was an NFL general manager, I would move on from them. I would replace them. Then we're going to do pick six. And after that, we're going to talk about four college football games that I'm really, really excited to watch. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube and help me grow by telling your friends about this show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Just help me grow by telling your friends about this show. Um, All right. I wanted to talk about stable quarterbacks. There are five stable quarterbacks in the NFL that I would replace the minute I could. They're not bad quarterbacks, but they're not elite. They're never going to be elite. And if I was an NFL general manager, I would not replace them immediately, but I would always be actively looking for a solution and looking for a way to get rid of this guy we have and get a new young quarterback to build around. The number one quarterback on this list I want to talk about is Andy Dalton, the Bengals quarterback. He's hit his ceiling. It's not enough. He's not good enough. He's not great in big moments. And what Andy Dalton does that drives me nuts, he makes far too many boneheaded, questionable decisions that I'm just like, what in the world are you doing? He has bad games. He's not dependable. I don't trust Andy Dalton. I would replace him when I could. He also plays in a northern division, has a weaker arm. Nah, I'm good. I would move on from him. Another quarterback that is stable, but I would, I would, I would replace as soon as I could, is Ryan Tannehill, the Dolphins quarterback. I keep waiting for this guy to deliver, and he doesn't. He's, it's just not happening. He's got an average arm. He makes marginal decisions. He's very average at reading defenses. He's mediocre, and I would replace Ryan Tannehill as soon as I could. Blake Bortles is a guy uh, with the Jaguars quarterback that I, I gave up on Blake Bortles. I, I would move on from him as soon as possible. He struggles throwing the football. It's weird. I've never seen a guy struggle more with confidence, struggle more with throwing simple completions. I mean, you watch every year, he, he messes with mechanics, and he's always like, he drops the ball really far low, and he just has a weird, he does not look like a guy who's confident throwing the ball. It's like, why would you, why would you play quarterback? You can't even throw. What the heck, man? 
Oh, and by the way, he struggles at reading defenses. He's got like a blind spot for linebackers over the middle. I'm done with Blake Bortles. I would move on as soon as I could. I love Case Keenum the person, but Case Keenum is not a good enough quarterback to live up to the standard of the Broncos. If the Broncos want to win playoff games, they got to move on from Case Keenum. I like him. He's an awesome guy. He's just far too limited. I remember watching the Chiefs and Broncos game on Monday Night Football two weeks ago, and he just couldn't deliver at the end of the game when he needed him to against a bad Chiefs defense. And that's Case Keenum in a nutshell. He's fine. He's serviceable, but he's not enough if you want to win Super Bowls. And so I would move on from Case Keenum. The fifth quarterback on this list is Dak Prescott. He's not accurate. I mean, he says all the right things. He looks good. He's got great in interviews. But he struggles at reading defenses. He's not accurate enough. And I'm, I'm growing impatient. I know that Dak Prescott doesn't have a lot of help in Dallas, but I don't care. You know, I, I would move on. I say, you're not enough. I, I want a good quarterback. I want a guy who could potentially dominate the NFL. And if you don't have a guy who could potentially be Aaron Rodgers or you know, Drew Brees or Tom Brady, what are you doing? You're wasting. Like, you need one of those guys to win. And if you don't have one of those guys and you don't have a guy who can eventually become one of those guys, you're just wasting everybody's time. I'd move on. I want one of those quarterbacks. So these five quarterbacks are guys that are not elite. They're never going to be elite. They're incredibly limited. They have limited ceilings. So if your team has one of those five quarterbacks, if your team has, if you're the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Broncos, or the Cowboys, you're rooting for your team to eventually move on and get a different quarterback. That's what I would do. They're not awful quarterbacks by any means. They're just not good enough to ever dominate the NFL. And again, I want a guy who's at Aaron Rodgers level, is at Drew Brees level, Tom Brady's level. Those guys don't ever have that in them, and so I would move on. I'd get over them. Now, there are three quarterbacks that are not on this list that I did consider. The number one quarterback not on this list, of course, is Eli Manning because he's not stable. You know, This is a list of stable quarterbacks that are fine. Uh, he's not stable. He's not enough. He's not a guy. Eli Manning, I think it's too obvious, needs to be replaced. I've said over and over again, I want to beat you guys you know, to death with that one. Another quarterback I did consider putting on this list is Marcus Mariota, the Titans quarterback. The reason why he's not on this list is because he's too young. I think it's just still too early to know. He's not exciting. I don't like what I've seen from Marcus Mariota, but he is still improving. He's only 24. I give him another year or two before I'm, I just completely pull the plug on him. Now, Alex Smith is a quarterback I thought long and hard about. I, in fact, I started writing this list, and I had to scratch his name off. I said, you know what? I don't think Alex Smith should be on this list because, I mean, this is a guy. Alex Smith is a guy who's won playoff games. He's got the best arm of of all the quarterbacks I've named on this list. Alex Smith has the best arm. He's got elite level arm strength. He can throw the ball great downfield. He's highly accurate. Um, now, all that being said, he is incredibly safe, and it's frustrating to watch Alex Smith because you're like, dude, let it rip. Use your God-given talents, and please throw the ball a million miles deep. I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're checking down. You're not taking risks downfield. It's frustrating to watch, but I still would not replace Alex Smith because he might be limited. He might be safe, but I, I, here's a, I don't know that limited is the right word. Alex Smith might be a safe quarterback, but he's not a limited quarterback. He's, he's 34 years old. I think, I think 34. I'm, I'm, I don't know that for sure, but he's still got good years of football left, and in fact, I think that Alex Smith could still have his best years ahead of him. Quarterbacks have changed. We've seen, you know, Tom Brady's 41, Drew Brees is older. Quarterbacks can play for longer than ever now. So I think that Alex Smith not only has good years of football left, I think Alex Smith might actually have his best years of football ahead. I would not replace Alex Smith if I was the Washington Redskins, despite his issues. I do think he's improving. I think he still has good football ahead of him. 
he's not limited the same way Dak Prescott, AJ, uh, a- Andy Dalton, Blake Bortles. Who are the other guys I listed? Ryan Tannehill and Case Keenum. Those five guys, again, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Dak Prescott, they're just, they're not elite, and they don't have the potential to become elite. And so, therefore, I think, if, what are you doing? You're wasting your time if you have a quarterback that can eventually become the next Aaron Rodgers, the next Tom Brady, the next Drew Brees. You're wasting everybody's time, and it's not worth it. So I would move on from those five quarterbacks. <clears throat> Let's do pick six. What I do, I do this every week. Um, these are the, the six college games. <laughs> Let's do pick six. Pick six. I pick six NFL games every week. That are the games I love. This week I have the Patriots and the Chiefs. I am picking the Patriots to win. You have the older, wiser Patriots at home. The Patriots keep improving. I do like them. Bill Belichick is a defensive genius. And I think it's going to catch up to Patrick Mahomes. Young quarterbacks struggle against Bill Belichick. The Chiefs are also 5-0. and I don't think the Chiefs are going to keep that up. And so, you know, math says that their 5-0 and run is going to eventually end. I think the Chiefs, this is where it ends. I think the Chiefs do lose to the Patriots. And then they're going to go on to win a couple more games. So I think they're going to come back down to earth briefly. This is what's going to happen against the Patriots on Sunday. I think the Chiefs are going to lose. The Patriots are going to win. The Jaguars and the Cowboys. I am picking the Jaguars to win. They have a better defense. Dak Prescott has no offensive weapons. I think it's a close game, but I think the Jaguars win, and Blake Bortles bounces back from his bad performance last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens and the Titans in Tennessee. I am picking the Ravens to win. It's simple. The Ravens are coming off a loss. So are the Titans. The the Titans lost 13-12 to the Bills. That's embarrassing. The Ravens lost 15-12 to the Browns in overtime. You could argue that's embarrassing too, but but both of these teams have good defenses. But the Ravens have the edge. They have a slightly better quarterback, a slightly better coach. Um, So I'm picking the Ravens. I think Joe Flacco needs to wake up and needs to play better, but I do think he will. I think the Ravens are going to beat the Titans on Sunday. Now the Chargers and the Browns is incredibly interesting. They're playing in Cleveland. I'm actually picking the Browns. I'm also emotionally rooting for the Browns. Um, I just think the, the Chargers are a spotty team. I don't trust the Chargers. Um, I think the Browns are underrated. They're playing really good football. Uh, I think the Browns actually are a playoff team. They're going to beat the Chargers at home. They run the ball really well, which is a Chargers weakness. And, and Baker is giving the Browns really solid quarterback play, and the Browns have a great defense. I'm picking the Browns to beat the Chargers on Sunday. Now, the Steelers and the Bengals. Um, you know, it's just a, this is a it doesn't even make sense on paper because the Steelers struggle on the road. The Steelers are playing this week in Cincinnati, but the Bengals are four and one. I just don't buy it. You know, my gut tells me the Steelers are going to beat the Bengals on Sunday. I wish I had a great analytical argument. I don't. My gut just tells me the Steelers are going to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati, and it could be ugly. It could be a blowout. My sixth game of the week, I'm going to pick. I'm picking the Bears to beat the Dolphins in Miami. The Bears have an elite defense. The Dolphins do not have an elite offense that can keep up with the Bears. I think Khalil Mack is going to just pound Ryan Tannehill into the ground all week. It's going to be ugly. And I'm really excited to watch Mitch Trubisky. How does Mitch Trubisky play for the Chicago Bears? We shall find out. I'm picking the Bears to beat the Dolphins on Sunday. We also have a great weekend of college football coming up. They're going to learn... We are going to learn a lot about college quarterbacks this weekend. We have UW playing Oregon, Washington playing Oregon. It's going to be a great challenge for the Ducks quarterback, Justin Herbert. I can't wait to watch. I hope Oregon wins. I hope Justin Herbert shreds the Washington defensive backs. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. We're also going to watch LSU play Georgia. We're going to learn a lot about Georgia's quarterback, Jake Fromm. How does he play against LSU's defense? I'm excited to watch that. 
We're going to watch Colorado and USC in L.A. Uh, Steven Montez, the quarterback for Colorado, I think is an NFL quarterback. Colorado's 5-0. and USC's 3-2. and um, This would be a big statement for Colorado to go into USC, into the L.A. Coliseum, Memorial Coliseum, and beat the Trojans. That would be a huge win for uh, Colorado. I expect Colorado to win this game. I think they're a better team. They don't have as good athletes, but they're a better team all around. And I think USC's freshman quarterback, JT Daniels, is going to struggle a little bit against Colorado. Um, So, you know, what's going to happen is that Colorado is going to beat USC, and USC fans are going to freak out. They're going to go, ah, Clay Helton's not good enough. Fire Clay Helton. Relax. Everybody relax. I expect USC to lose on Saturday. USC is going to lose to Colorado. It's okay. Don't overreact. Colorado has an NFL quarterback. You, I think USC does as well, but USC's NFL quarterback is much younger. He's in a true freshman year. USC's going to lose to Colorado. Don't panic. I expect it. Now, we're going to watch Missouri's quarterback, Drew Locke, play against Alabama. And uh, he's going to lose against Alabama, first of all. It's going to be an ugly mess. Alabama's going to mop the floor with Missouri. Um, and I just want to know how is... Drew Locke going to handle that loss? How does he take that? Does he take it in stride? Does he fight valiantly? Or does he keel over and give up? I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm just really, really excited to watch. How does Missouri's quarterback, Drew Locke, handle this Alabama game this week when they're going to get blown out and it's going to be ugly? So those are the games that interest me in college football this week. Guys, that is all I have today. Um, I really tremendously appreciate you guys listening. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Help me grow. Tell your friends about the show. Um, and that's, I don't want to waste your time with that. Look, if you're a a little over an hour into this podcast, you know, I'm going to say, you know, tell your friends, subscribe, yada, yada, you know, the spiel. Um, but it would mean a lot to me if you, if you told your friends about this podcast, I'm trying to grow. I'm a college kid. My numbers are not exactly where I want them to be. We're we're growing. We're almost at 1500, but it's, it's painfully slow. And so if you like this show, please help me grow by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much. I tremendously appreciate all of you. You guys are my favorite. You guys send me great messages on Instagram. It means a lot to me. So my name is Alex Schaumler. Have a great weekend. I'll see you guys again on Monday. But um bum bam, we are done. Bye.